Amen. If you have your Bibles, would you open them to Matthew chapter 22 today? Thank you, worship team, for leading us today. Didn't they do a fabulous job today? They did. They did. Absolutely. So good to have uh, Noah back on the drum set. If you're wondering, if you saw all that hair bouncing around back there, uh, that's anointed, man. So we're so glad that Noah could be back with us. Uh, if you have your Bibles, open to Matthew chapter 22. You know, I was watching a, a video on Facebook the other day, and it was one of those things where uh, a man was just going around, he was interviewing people on a college campus, talking them to a little bit about God, but he was talking basically to a lot of atheist people or people from that mindset, and, and they began to discuss the randomness of who they were as a person, the randomness of, of the universe, how... The universe came to being through rocks and gases that exploded, and therefore, you know, all of creation is just random. The universe is random. The Milky Way galaxy is random. The Earth is random. Therefore, if the Earth is random, everything in it is by chance. Everything is random. The animals are random. Humans are therefore random, and and all random things really don't have purpose. They just exist, and then they fade out. And then the interviewer, after having them have opportunity to describe uh, their belief system, he places in front of them a book. And he gives, hey, just take a look through this book. And maybe you guys could do that today. You know, you guys all have a book in front of you. You guys should all have a Bible. If you didn't bring your Bible, there might be one in the pew or maybe a hymn book or something like that. But it, they opened up the book and he said, now just describe to me what you see. There's, there's sentences in there. And those sentences come together and they form paragraphs. And then the paragraphs form thoughts. And that at, the each, at the end of each thought, you know, at the end, there's, a, there's like a, a chapter break. And those chapters are broken down into topics. And, and on each page, there's a page number. There's titles. Um, there's even pictures. Pictures go along to help describe what is in the text. And, uh, and he began to look at the intricate, intricate I guess,ness of the uh, book and determine that, hey, this isn't random that this happened. This is by uh, purpose. And then you compare that to what we have in our, in our existence. I want you to know today, guys, that we are not a product of random, you know, elements crashing into each other that you and I are created beings by God Almighty, and you and I are created for purpose. We are designed by God. Um, you know, the psalmist says in Psalm 139, 14, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. And so you and I come from a framework where we believe that we are created by Almighty God right? In fact, we sang about that in some of the songs. I was, I was amazed today as we were worshiping the Lord, uh, how, many, how, many, how so many of those themes that we sang about fit into what I want to talk about today, you know? And that's something that's really neat, because we sang about that. Um, you know, I'm no longer a slave to fear, you know? In my, in my mother's womb, you, you created me, and you loved me, and we sang about that today. I want you to know that today, we are not a product of chance, we're not a product of randomness, and you, my friends, are not the deluxe model of an ape, right? I know you might think that your second cousin is, right? But you are not, right? We are not products of, of uh, randomness. 
Listen to what God said to Jeremiah. Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I set you apart. That doesn't, ta- that doesn't speak of randomness. That speaks of intelligent design. That God has a purpose for us and formed us in our mother's womb. 1 Peter 2.9, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Do you know that God has created us to be his and his alone? And he's created us for a purpose. Uh, Going on, it says, so that you might proclaim the excellence of the one who called you out of darkness. Amen. How many of you guys have been called out of darkness? I have. We're called out of sin. We're called out of depression. We're called out of bondage. We're called out of fear. We're called out of doubt. We're called out of significance. We are called out of all of the muck and mire that the sin brings. And we are called into his marvelous light. We're called to be... uh, Uh, representatives of who God is and to reflect his goodness. Ephesians 2.10, if you don't believe Peter, you have to uh, believe Paul. He says this, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That you and I are God's handiwork. We're not, uh, we're not, you know, God's... um, uh, I guess I don't want to say, I want to say this. We did not come off of God's second scrap heap. You know what I mean? I know we might feel like God uh, was trying to design this and he messed up and then here we are over here, like we're prototype B or something. No, you and I are designed by God. We're his handiwork. He designed each of us and he designed us with great intentions and for great purpose. How many of you guys know you're designed for a great purpose? Right now, how many of you guys know what that purpose is? Right. That, see, now that's a little bit tricky, right? God, I know that I know that uh, you have a great plan and a great purpose for me. I have no idea what it is, right? And so I'm wandering in the fog. And so that's where a lot of us is. Well, today I'm just going to unlock just a little bit of God's plan and God's purpose for you. And I want to start out with something so basic and so elementary that you're going to say, "Oh, duh! Why wasn't I thinking of that?" Right? Our very first thing that God has created us to do, we learn in a kid's song, um, right in kids' church. And and we we sing this song, don't judge me on my singing today, but we sing this song called, uh, it's, it's Oh How I Love Jesus. Oh How I Love Jesus. Oh How I Love Jesus because he first loved me, right? We know that. And this is the very foundational purpose and plan that God has for you and me in our lives. Our very first purpose um, is to to love God back. He loved us. We are to reciprocate that love back to him. Amen? Amen? Amen. Now, I would venture to say that if I were to ask you guys, do you love God everybody would say yes, right? We all love God, right? We love, we love God, we love God, we love God. But how many of you guys know that love can mean a lot of different things, right? So on what level do we love God? How do we love God? And, and I compare this a lot to our relationship with spouses. Um, 
Do you know that I, well, <clears throat> well, we just had a wedding and we got a couple more weddings this summer, but I will sit down with all of our marriage candidates and I will sit down and I will tell them, do you know that out of every 10 marriages, five will end in divorce? That's just statistic, statistical fact. Five end in divorce. But do you ever really stop and think about the other five? How do the other five fare? Some will stay together their entire lives because it's cheaper than getting divorced. Some will. Everyone that's laughing is probably, that's probably crossed your mind at one point, all right? I can't afford to get a divorce. How many times have you guys heard that, right? Some people choose to stay together for that. Some people choose to stay get together for the kids. You know, it's better if it's, we're just here for the kids, but yeah, our love for us has kind of feigned a little bit. Um, and, and really, according to research done by Focus on the Family, they say that only one to two marriages out of ten will achieve the intimacy that God created it for. Only one to two will love God, I mean, I'm sorry, love each other the way that God intended. And so as I'm thinking uh, through that process, today I was thinking, well, do we love God the way that God intended us to? Do we love him the way that we are created to. Um, I want to love God the way that I'm supposed to love God. I hope you do too, right? I don't want to be like one of those um, people that love God in a feigning way or in a way that um, is not what it's meant to be. And in Matthew chapter 22, verse 35, uh, we have just this little passage of scripture that focuses in on how we are to love God. It says in verse 35, one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And so, so this is a, a blueprint of how we're supposed to love God. We're supposed to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. And then, uh, then it would go on and say, you know, all of the Bible, all of the law, all of the, the prophets hinge on, that, on those commands. That means it's, it's all basically comes back to that foundation of loving God and loving him. And so today, I want to take just some time out today to look at six secrets that will help you love God to the fullest. Six secrets that will help you love God to the fullest, right? Because we don't want to love God like we love other people. We want to love God more. And as much as we love our spouse, we want to love God more. We want to love God the way that we're designed to love God. And so today, six secrets that will help you love God to the fullest and the very first thing is to love God through constant conversation. Love him through constant conversation. Brock, could you, could you put that screen on back there for me just so I can follow along? That would help me out. Thank you. Um, but you know what? You will never, ever grow close in relationship uh, with God by attending church once a week. I'm just going to reveal that to you guys. It can't happen. You know, we spend about an hour and a half here on Sunday, and thank God that we do. We want to do that. Give God our first fruits. But you know what? It has to be more than that. 
I can't just spend one and a half hours with my wife every week and expect my relationship to be good. All the guys are, we're just too scared to say amen to that. But we all know it's true, right? We all know that's true. Like, I can't just spend one and a half, try it, guys, and see how it goes, right? Uh, you can't just spend one and a half hours a week with your kids and then expect your kids growing up to know you. You know, you have to be, uh, it has to be more than that. You have to constantly spend time. And one of the best ways that we can do that is through conversation. Let me tell you that love begins with conversation. So now usually, uh, you know, when some, let let me go way back. I've been married almost 30 years now. So let me go way back. But when you're, you're in that dating phase and you're, you see someone and you're attracted to them, that's not where love really begins. That, you're just saying, hey, I'm attract, attracted to that person. Maybe this can work out. And we say, oh, I admire that person. I like the way they look, I like all that. But love doesn't really start at first sight. Now, lust does, but, but not love. So love is a little bit deeper. In fact, I would like to think all the way back and say, oh, that Jane loved me at first sight. She's downstairs in kids' church, so I can, I can get away with whatever I want to say today, right? And we're all sworn to secrecy, right? Right? I trust everyone, right? Kathy, make sure Jim puts his hand on the Bible when he shakes his head yes, right? All right? All right I trust you guys. Like, like, Jane didn't love me at first sight. No, that girl made me work for it, right? I had to converse with her, and I had to talk with her and and then after conversing and talking and all of those things then it led to love relationship doesn't start with looking it starts with conversing that's why the bible tells us um, you know that god spoke the universe into existence it was a vocal thing it was a voice thing that that god spoke everything into existence which i find fascinating because just recently we're we're finding out that the universe behaves like a wave you know well no doubt that's because god spoke the universe into existence you know and then god spoke all of creation into existence And then God did something unique with you and I, and he formed us with the dust of his hands, and then he breathed into us the breath of life. But here in the book of Genesis, we find out that God was conversing with Adam and Eve. In verse 8 of Genesis 3, it says, And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And so God God began to speak and have conversation with his creation. You and I were created to have conversation with God. I want you to know that. We were designed to talk with God. You know what we call that today? We call that prayer. Prayer is nothing more than conversing with God. And maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, I don't know how to pray. And I will, I will come back and I will say, of course you do. You know how to talk, don't you? If you know how to talk, then you can definitely talk to God. It's that easy. The Bible tells us that Moses talked to God uh, like a man does to his friend. That to me is the best definition of prayer. Talk to God like you're talking to somebody else, like you're talking to your friend. Um, 1 Thessalonians tells us, 
1 Thessalonians 5.17 tells us how often you and I should talk to God. It says, pray continually, pray without ceasing. Now, if prayer means talking to God, that means talk to God continually, talk to God without ceasing, right? Now, is that even humanly possible? Talk all the time? Well, it means be in a constant state of talking to God. Talk to him throughout the day. Talk to him about everything. Talk to him like he's a person. And we can be in a state of constantly being able to talk to God. You don't have to wait till Sunday morning to talk to God. You don't have to have a minister or a priest or a rabbi or anybody else be a mediator between you and God. Right? That was what Jesus did on the cross. No more mediation. He is our great high priest, right? Jesus is now our great mediator. And we can go straight to the throne room of God. Amen? So we, you and I don't have to go through anybody else. But you and I can converse to God all day long, anytime we want. And that will help build intimacy in our relationship with God. And so I would say the first key to loving God more is to talk to God. Talk to God in the morning. Talk to God in the mid-morning. Talk to him at noon. Talk to him in the afternoon. Talk to him in the evening. Talk to God whenever the moment arises, not just when we need him. Amen? Amen? Amen. Talk to God all the time. So if you really want to learn to love God to the fullest, you have to, um, you have to talk constantly to God. The second secret of loving God and loving God to the fullest is to love God through continual meditation. Love God through continual meditation. Now, I'm not just talking about um, some Middle Eastern spiritualistic yoga or anything like that. I'm talking about our thought process. I'm talking about thinking upon God. We can love God through continual meditation. Um, God's revelation of who he is is in Scripture. Amen? God... God unpacks who he is in the word of God. And so we can open the word of God and we can read the word of God and that's good. But how many of you guys know it's better when the word of God gets inside of us? And we meditate on it and we think about it. Now I know it's a, I know it's a big Bible and there's lots of stuff in here. My suggestion is, you know what, take one verse a day. One verse a day. In fact, there's there's the Bible app that will help you do this. You can get on uh, Bible Gateway. They do this. Uh, lots of sites put on one verse a day. It's our verse for the day. Think about that one verse for that day. And think about that, that verse all day long and see if God doesn't unpack what that means to you. Think about Meditate on that. Look at the relationship between the prophet Samuel um, and the relationship with he, got, he had with God. In 1 Samuel 3.19, and I'll read this, but... Uh, but it, it, it gives insight into the, the meditation process. It says, The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And all of Israel from Dan to Beersheba recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there, and here's the key part, he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. How many of you guys know that God still uses this same process today? That God reveals himself to you and to me through his word. So the more that we meditate on it, the more that we know God and the more that we love God. 
We have to learn to meditate. Well, pastor, how on earth am I supposed to continually meditate on God's word? Well, I know people that worry all the time. I know people that talk about sports all the time. I know people that talk about how bad our president is all the time. Right? Doesn't matter who it is. Right? We can find time to study God's word all the time. Just put it in our, in our minds and allow God's word to get into us. The psalmist said this in Psalm 119.97, Oh, how I love your law. I meditate it. I meditate on it all day long. Not just in the morning, not just in the evening, but all day long. And guys, this is so important to how you and I operate. Uh, because if we don't learn to meditate on God's word, guess what? When the test comes, we won't be prepared. When I was in college, you know what? We used to have uh, professors. Professors would lecture us. And as they are lecturing, you had better take notes. Don't be one of those students that just sits back and says, you know what, I think I can retain it all up here, because you can't, right? They are moving a mile a minute, and they're throwing everything but the kitchen sink under there, and so sometimes your pen just, I mean, there's smoke coming out, you're writing so many notes. Now, I'll be honest, as a young college student, sometimes I took those notes, and I threw them on my desk, and I didn't look at them for weeks, right? Until I knew the, a couple weeks later the test was coming. And you had better know your notes when the test comes. If you do not know your notes when the test comes, guess what? You're not going to pass, right? And so you have got to take the notes and put the notes in here in order to pass the test. Pretty basic stuff. The same is true in life, because life is going to throw at you test after test after test. And if you, if, you come to, if you come to church and you hear a message and you retain it all up here and you think, oh man, I got it, or I opened God's word and I got it, and you never study it, you never meditate on it, and you never let it get in here, then when the test comes in life, you're not going to be able to recall that which you need. So when you're watching TV and something inappropriate comes on, boy, it's sure good to know Philippians 4. You know, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are pure, whatever things are true, whatever things are uh, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, what? Think on such things. That's a great verse to remember when you're watching something on TV you shouldn't. Right? Because then you're ready for the test and you can apply it at the right time in your life. Now that's just an easy illustration. But how many of you guys know you need all of Scripture to move through life? Right? right? The more Scripture you know, the more Scripture you can recall at the right times in your life will help you all along the way. It helps us grow closer to God. It's important to think about God To meditate on him throughout your day, throughout your week. Guys in the house, I want you to do this little test with me this week. This week, shoot your wife a random text that just says, Hey, I'm at work today, 
but I was just thinking about you. Love you. And see what that doesn't do to build your relationship, right? I guarantee when you get home, the missus is going to be in a good mood, right? Just a little. I mean, I mean uh, some of you guys might have to send two texts, but it's worth it, <laughs> right? It's worth it. Yeah, that's, guys, I'm a pastor who cares about you. This is just something for the ministry, you know, when you get home and all that stuff. So that the ministry just doesn't happen here in church, you know, it's all week long. But see if that doesn't build your relationship to say, hey, I was thinking about you when I wasn't here with you. That's what meditating on God's word does. You know, when we get out of this place and we say, God, you know what? I'm thinking about you even when I'm not in church. See what message that sends to God. It's, it's refreshing to know that God thinks about us when we're just not right here praising him. Right? He thinks about us all the time. He loves us. So we have to learn to talk to God constantly. We have to learn to meditate on his words. Thirdly, we can learn to love God by being honest with him. Love God by being honest with him. Now, uh, way back in the day, I was a youth pastor for about seven years. Uh, we, I call it seven years of youth misery. I meant youth ministry, right? And... Uh, and I constantly, as a youth minister, one of those topics that always comes up frequently is dating. So we hit dating a lot. And I'll be honest, I never really liked dating. I, d I still don't like dating. Uh, I have three kids. I don't like dating. I don't like the dating process because uh, the dating process is intended to, uh, to get to know somebody. Hey, I see them. I ask them out. I'd like to get to know you better. Let's go out so that I can get to know you better. That's the purpose of it. However, on date night, when we're going out, we say, hey, babe, I'll pick you up at seven sharp. Glad you ditched all the other zeros and you're finally getting with the hero, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stroll up in here at seven o'clock and pick you up and we're going out to dinner and all that stuff. I will, I will take a shower. I will get all cleaned up. I will put on my deodorant that works. I will put on my cologne that, that I spent too much money on, right? In those days, I used to do my hair. Um, right so hey the good thing is is that my hair care budget is zero man it is self-sustaining i'll tell you it's a way to save money and i still look good um no but in those days we do all of those things you know you pick out your outfit that doesn't make you you know it accents your body uh the way that you want to be accented you know like like it hides all your fat stuff right so right so so you you, you do all the you're trying to get to know somebody, and all you're doing is getting an idealized version of who that person is. That's not who they are. You have to go through date after date after date after date to finally kind of discover who they are, right? So dating is meant to kind of reveal and to hide those things. And, you know, how many times do we treat God kind of the same way? We come to church, and guess what we do? We take a shower. Right? And we put on our best deodorant, and we say, this deodorant's going to work for the next two hours. Right? And our best cologne and our best clothes. And we sit and we act a certain way in church. And we say, God, this is the way that I, I'm, I'm taught in church to be pious. And, and I'm taught here. And, and we behave a certain way. But really, guys, we, we get to that point, and we never let God really see us for who we are. 
We don't let God peek behind the curtains. And we feel like sometimes when we approach God, we have to put on this idolized uh, like version of who we are. When God doesn't care about that. God cares about who you really are. And we have to learn to be honest with ourselves and, and honest with God and let God see us for who we are. Do we allow God to know that, hey, even though I look good on the outside, I'm a hot mess on the inside, right? That I struggle with depression or that I'm struggling with um, finances or I'm struggling with uh, pornography or I'm struggling with faithfulness or gender identity or i'm struggling with addiction do we allow god into some of the ugliest areas of our life you have to be honest with god and when you're honest with god i'll tell you what it builds intimacy in your relationship with him it does in fact um i want you to know that you do not have to be perfect uh to be in a relationship with god I know we feel like we have to be, but you know what? The Bible tells us that Jesus oftentimes dined with tax collectors and sinners. People that weren't afraid to let God see who they really were. And God didn't shun them and God didn't criticize them, but God often accepted them and says, hey, I have something better for you. I mean, it's just the same when you and I go to the doctor and we're embarrassed about the problem that we're having and we don't like to tell the doctor that, that we have this issue. But the doctor can't fix anything unless we tell them, right? You have to be brutally honest with your doctor, right? And, and so, so my wife is constantly telling me, oh, you know, my, my wife is a great secretary. She's like, make sure you tell your doctor about this and this and this and this and this and this. Make sure you tell them about your back pain that you had two weeks ago. I'm like, oh, he don't care about that, you know? I'm like, that's, that's fleeting, it's gone. Make sure, make sure he, he knows that that mole got bigger, right? I don't want to tell my doctor about a mole that got bigger, right? Am I being real? Am I the only one that has these issues with their doctor? Right? Uh, but, but guys, we have to be really, really honest with God. Abraham was honest with God when God told him about Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham didn't want Sodom and Gomorrah to be destroyed. And so Abraham was like bargaining with God. God, if I could just find like 50 righteous people, and then he realized he couldn't, and then he began this bargaining, and he's like, hey, how about, how about all the way down, to, if I can just find 10? How about if I can just find one righteous person? So he was honest with God about how he felt about God's plan. David was extremely honest. If you read through the book of Psalms, David's on a roller coaster. One, he's strong, and, and, and then the next time he's like in a pit. I mean, he's like a manic depressive here, you know, if you read Psalms. He's all over the place, but he's honest with God about how he feels and what he thinks. Job was honest with God um, when Job felt totally abandoned and totally betrayed. And in fact, there's this uh, passage in Job chapter 42, and uh, Job's friends weren't exactly honest with God and all this, and they were, they were saying, hey, Job, there's something wrong with you and all this. But listen to what God speaks to Job. Job 42, 7, after the Lord had said these things to Job, he said to Eliphaz, the uh, Tamanite, I am angry with you and your two friends because you have not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. And so he's honoring Job that Job is honest about God, how he feels about God, what he thinks about God, and the other people aren't. And so God, God honors your honesty with them. 
I know you feel like you can't share that with God, but you can. I know you feel like you can't tell God how you think, but you can. And God honors you for that. It actually draws you closer in relationship with him. If you choose not to be honest with God, you know what that will do? That will drive uh, a wedge between you two. Bitterness will seep in. Resentment will seep in. And oftentimes, you'll, you'll grow further apart and you'll blame God because there will be issues that you feel like you can't talk to him about. Amen? Yeah. Amen? That happens in our, re- our earthly relationships. It happens in our heavenly relationship. So the challenge is, is to always be honest with God. Be honest with God. So we learn to, uh, the secrets to loving God more is by talking to God, by meditating on his word, by being real with him. Fourthly, learning to obey his word. Love God through obeying his word. See, every time we choose to obey God's word, we open a deeper relationship with him. Especially when we don't understand what God's asking us. If you don't understand his command, but you obey it anyway, doesn't that build faith and trust in him? It absolutely does. It builds a love for him. Jesus said this in John 15, 14, you are my friends if you do what I command. The NIV says it a little different. If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll do what I've said. See, there's this common misperception amongst Christians, the world and Christians, and the world thinks Christians, we obey God out of guilt. Or we obey God out of uh, like a, a self-righteousness. Or we, we obey God because it's ritualistic. We don't obey God for any of those things. We obey God because we love him. That's why I obey God. right? I don't, I don't obey God because I have to do these things. I obey God because I want to do these things. You understand there's a difference there? If you are in religion, it says, hey, I have to obey these gods or God's going to zap me or I feel guilty or it's just something that's protocol. I do this because I will feel ashamed if I don't. That's religion. Relationship says, no, I don't have to do anything, but I want to because I love God. I want to reciprocate what God has. And so we need to learn to love God by obeying him. Um, John 15, 9, I have loved you even as the fathers loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my father's commandments and remain in his love. And so Jesus is absolutely our number one model there. And Jesus could do anything he wants, but he, does, he doesn't say that. He says, um, he says, when you obey the commandments, you remain in love. When, you, when you're acting in obedience, you remain in love. So when you go home this week, you know what? You can buy your wife flowers uh, because you did something wrong, and you could buy her flowers out of guilt. You could buy her flowers um, because you messed up. Or out of the blue, you could buy her flowers just because you love her, right? See which one net gains you more in your relationship. I guarantee it's the ones that say, hey, 
I bought you something just because I love you, right? That's what we do when we obey God. And when we obey God in that way, we're a beacon to the world that says we obey God not because we have to, but because we want to. It's a difference, folks. We can choose to love God deeper by obeying his commandments. Um, we, can, we can converse with him all the time. We can meditate on his word. We can uh, be real and honest with him. Fifthly today, the fifth secret to loving God more, you can love God through valuing what he values. You can love God through valuing what he values. I was reading just recently the top five reasons why people get divorced. And the number one reason is, is that they just grew, they just grew apart. We grew apart. And, uh, and I want you to know that love always works at growing together. And it takes work to grow together. One of the ways that we can grow together is to learn to value what someone else values. Learn to value what God values. And if you value what God values, you will grow together. Right? Now let me put this in practical terms. Uh, the other day, Jane bought tickets for myself and her to attend this event. Um, and it's at the end of the month. And she wants to take me there. And Jane really, really, really wants to go bad. I could care less. Right? Remember, she's downstairs in kids' church, so I can say these things. Right? You guys forgot that. Right? And it's all in-house today. It's all up here. I could care less. I don't care if I go see this or not. In fact, I would prefer not to. But I told her, go buy me a ticket because I will go because you value it. Now, what does that do to our relationship? That allows us to grow together instead of growing apart. If I didn't value what she valued, you know what would happen? She would go out with her friends and go do it. On, she's, she's, trust me, she's, she's not going to stop regardless of what I think. She's going to do what she wants to do right? She's going to still do it. She'd just do it without me. So where would I be? Probably on a, on a couch at home doing nothing, being bored. So I choose to do it with her even though it's not my forte, right? Now I will spin this the other way because we were, uh, Jane and I had an eye exam the other day and uh, thank God I'm still in bifocals. So I'm, 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 I'm old, but I'm not really old, right? You guys know, you guys know what I'm saying? Still got progressives, right? But, um, but anyway, uh, on our way back, she's like, hey, do you want to listen to the radio? I'm like, yes. Okay, what do you want to listen to? That was her first mistake. I said, let's listen to the NFL draft. <laughs> Thank you very much. My wife doesn't care one iota about the NFL draft. In fact, the other night we were at dinner, and you guys are going to love this story because it's awkward silence. What Let's talk. You know, we've been married so long, sometimes we don't know what to talk about. Okay, what do, you, what, what do you want to talk about? So I just threw out a question. I said, who do you think the Bears should take in the draft? <laughs> My wife, who, who told me she was a sports fan when we were dating, and I learned she was not a sports fan when we were married, I don't know. I think they should draft a quarterback. 
well, I think we have a quarterback then that we kind of like. And she's like, oh, well then, I guess we should draft people that helps the quarterback. <laughs> well, thank you for that epiphany. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that what everyone tries to do? <laughs> right? We're trying to win a game here. Right? But uh, the point is, is that for an hour yesterday, she let me listen to the NFL draft. You know? Um, she could care less. She has no pony in the race. Could care less who the Bears draft. Um, could care, even if we drafted people from what? The state up north gym? Right? She could care less about any of that stuff. But she did it because she she's learning to value what I value. And when you learn to do those things, it binds you together in ways that build intimacy. The truth is, is that it's the same when we value what God values. Say, God, I, uh, I don't know about this, but you value it, you feel it's important, and so I need to feel it's important. And when we do that and we value things that God values, it pulls us together and it builds a love that's deeper and deeper we need to love, uh, love, the way, love the things of God. Listen to what David wrote in Psalm 69.9. David said, zeal for your house consumes me. Zeal for your house consumes me. I'm consumed by the church. I'm consumed by God's house. I'm consumed by everything that they do. I have this zeal and this passion for it. Whether I personally want to or not, I, I, feel, I feel obligated and drawn into it because God feels it's important enough to do. That's, that's why, and I'm just going to be real honest, we'll use this camp as an example. My kids are past camper age. I don't have any kids going to camp this year. So I don't. But I'm a huge supporter of it, and I believe in it, and I'm going to help every kid that I can get there. Why? Because I know that God values it. And if it's important to God, it's important to his kingdom, then it should be important to me too. Even though I'm not personally attached to it this year. Do you understand how that works? So when we're personally attached to the things that God values, it builds us closer. Lastly, the last uh, secret to loving God in a deeper way, more intimately way, is to love through desiring God more than anything else. Love through desiring God more than anything else. The Psalms are filled with examples about loving God above all else. In fact, David writes most of his Psalms, you will find these words like longing, yearning, thirsting, hungering. David used the word crave. I crave God. Listen to how uh, the psalm reads, Psalm 27, 4. One thing I ask from the Lord, this, only, this is the only thing do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. This is what David is, he's prioritizing this. He's saying, God, I desire you. I desire to be in your house. I desire to be in your temple and to gaze upon you above all else in my life. Listen to another passage in Psalm 63. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. 
I thirst for you. My whole being, it longs for you in a dry and a parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and behold your power in your glory. In verse 3, here, here, underline this if you have it, because your love is better than life. David is prioritizing, he's saying, your love is better than anything that I could possibly have. It's better than me even breathing. I desire you so much. Jacob um, was a man, he's known for wrestling with God. And, and in Genesis 32, verse 26, he says, I will not let go unless you bless me. I won't let go of you until I have more of you. How many of us desire God in that way? That we grab a hold of God and we, we latch a hold of him and we say, God, I'm not letting go of this moment. I'm not letting go, uh, go of you until, until you fill me. That's an incredible desire for more of God. Paul, in the New Testament, he writes it like this. He says it beautiful. I'm going to read from the Amplified Version, but Philippians 3.10. He says this, My determined purpose... I love that phrase. My determined purpose. I'm bound and determined. If I do one thing, it's going to be this. My determined purpose is that I may know him. That I might know God. That I may progressively become more deeper and intimately acquainted with him. Perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. How many of us desire God on that level? Say, God, we want more of you. I know if we're real honest with ourselves, a lot of us don't put God on that level. We say, yes, I want God, but do we want God above everything? Say, God, I need you, but do we need God in our lives above everything? I'll tell you, it has to be an unwavering commitment to desire God all the time. We have to have this yearning within us that just says, God, I need you. You're so important and so valuable that I would rather lose everything else than you. I have to desire God above that. Above everything, all the time. I'm going to ask Courtney, would you come to the piano? And I'm just going to, I'm just going to wind it down because church today, I know you and I are called to love God, and we can all agree with that. We can all say, you know what? I love God. I love God. But on what level do we love God? On what level? And I'm going to be really honest with you today, because most of us. We'll never grow deeper in our walk with God. We're already where we're at. We're already at our deepest level. And the reason why is found in James. James 4 says this. James 4.8 says that draw close to God and he will draw close to you. So it's symmetrical. 
If we draw close to God, he will draw close to us. And the reason why most of us will never, ever go deeper in our relationship with God is because we just won't draw any closer. We'll say, I'm as close as I want to be. That's, that's a truth you can write down. You can be as close to God as you want to be. That's truth. And the problem is a lot of us will just never grow deeper because we stop. And we say, God, I'm I'm so good right here. I'm so good right here. And I'm just going to camp out right here because it's good. And we never draw closer. We have to learn to draw closer, church. We have to learn to love God with our whole heart with our whole mind, with our whole soul. And to love God anything less than that is not what he designed you and me for. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes and with me in this moment? Because maybe you're here today and you're saying, man, I'm, I've been far off. I've been far off and and I've been loving God from a distance. I've been loving him like so far out in left field that, that I don't even know if I have relationship with him. I've just been loving God because I know he's up there. I know he's a creator. I know it's something I should do. But maybe you're here today. You've never asked him to come into your life. But today you say, you know what, God? I want to begin a relationship. I want to love you the way that I'm supposed to love you. Would you come into my life? Would you forgive me of sins? I want to begin a relationship with you right now. If you're in the house today, and maybe that's your prayer, I'm not going to embarrass you or nothing, but would you just slip up a hand so that I can personally pray for you? Is there anyone? Okay, okay I see those hands. Thank you. Now, maybe you're in this place today and you say, you know what? I have a relationship with God, but I'm going to be honest. I, I've kind of stopped seeking. I've kind of got comfortable where I'm at. And I haven't pursued going deeper. And it's been that way for a while. Oh, I love God. God and I are good. But I haven't pursued deeper. I haven't pursued more. I haven't pursued richer. And maybe today is the day you say, you know what, God, I want to draw close to you. I want to draw deeper in this place. And if that's you here today, I want you to lift a hand so that I can pray for you. Okay. See multiple hands all over. Now in this place, God, you see our hearts. God, and I thank you for the promise that's in James 4 that says if we draw close to you, you will draw close to us. Lord, that is a promise. Lord, that if we reach out and we say, I want to love you more, God, then, then Lord, you'll love us back. God, our relationship will be deeper. So God, today in this place, Lord, I, I ask that you would instill in us a desire like, like the psalmist had, like David had. 
God, with those words that he writes, the yearning and longing and desiring. Lord, would that be true of our lives? Lord, would we yearn after you and long after you and desire after you? Lord, I pray for every person in this place now, God. Lord, that this wouldn't be a one-moment type of commitment. But God, that this would be real. And when we step out of here, Lord, would we, would we keep the conversation going? Lord, would we talk to you today at lunch and tonight at dinner and at bedtime and tomorrow morning when we're in our workplaces and Tuesday when the problems arise and Thursdays when we have our kids' practices and just throughout the week, God, would we keep that conversation going? Lord, would we open up your word and just meditate on it and just ask for you to reveal yourselves and just plant your word in our hearts? God, in this place, would you help us be brutally honest with you? Just to, to be real, to show you our, our true selves, our hurts, our hurts, our longings, our desires. God, help us to value what you value. To see things as you see them. To put our efforts into the things that you put effort into. Help us to be consistent with your love and your grace in our lives. And Lord, my biggest prayer today is that Lord, that we would learn to desire you above all else. Help us to desire you above the things of this world, above all of the responsibilities and requirements, Lord. Lord, even above our, our basic necessities, Lord, would we desire you more than the air that we breathe? Lord, I pray that you would be at the forefront of everything we do. Now, Lord, I just give you praise and honor in this place, God. I thank you for the work that you're doing right here in our hearts. Lord, continue to allow us to draw closer to you this week. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen, church. Would you, uh, would you do me a favor? Would you never stop pressing in? Would you continue to pursue God? Continue, continue to, to keep this momentum going. And not just say, God, you know what, church was great. But keep this, keep this going throughout the week. Amen. Keep pursuing God throughout the week. Every day pursue God. Love God more. Love God with our entire mind, 
body, soul, spirit. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. You guys are totally dismissed today. Go in the grace of God. Remember, there's candy bar sales if you guys want a little snack before lunch and all that stuff. Or maybe you want to save one for later, but remember all that. Shake a few hands. Get to, get to meet some people, know some people, say hi. God bless you guys today. Go in the grace of God. small.